The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. So, new figures from the Residential Tenancies Board have shown that more than 4,300 notices to quit were served to tenants in the last three months of 2022. This is all, of course, in the context of the eviction ban being officially lifted over the weekend. Um, I'm delighted to be joined now by Mike Allen, uh, Advocacy Director of Focus Ireland, and Jessica Freed, who's an actress uh, and writer in Dublin facing homelessness, and they both join me now. Uh, Mike, I'd like to start with you, if I may. Uh, although a slight drop, the rate of notices uh, being served seems to be remaining fairly constant. What do you make of those figures? They're, they're absolutely shocking. Yeah. Um, so in the last six months of last year, almost 9,000 households received notices of termination. It, it's, in, it's really, really hard to convey how bad those figures are. They're just worse than anything that we've ever seen before remotely. Like So the, previously you might have been looking at 1,700 or 1,000 uh, evictions. Um, coming through the line, but 9,000 households. That's households, so we don't know how many men, women and children that represents. No doubt more in total than there currently are people who are uh, 11,000 people who, who are homeless. Um, most of the concentration of the government has been about the safety net, and we can maybe talk about that in terms of people where the landlord is selling up, and that's a huge amount of concentration has been, and rightly so. Yeah. But it's also important to remember there's 1,200 of those in the last six mu- in the last six months of last year, where the landlord is moving back in. So that's 1,200 households where there is absolutely nothing, no safety net, because obviously the landlord can't, we can't buy the unit, the local authority can't buy the unit, the tenant can't buy the unit. There is nothing at all being offered by the government for those 1,200 households who are losing their home for the perfectly legitimate reason that the landlord wants to move back into it. And do you, do you think landlords uh, and some, uh, you know, who are accidental landlords, who, who who became landlords by virtue of the fact that they couldn't sell the property, um, do you think they're being unfairly sort of, you know, pointed out in, in, in this whole argument, Mike? Because, you know, I, I don't think most of those people who are decent, honest, hard-working people want to see anybody homeless. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that, and I know over the years, Focus Island has been pointing out that the biggest reason why um, the greatest cause for families to become homeless is landlords selling up and uh, or landlords moving back in. That when we've always said that, I've landlords phone me up and very decent people and say, you know, you're blaming us and, and, and so on. And it's, it's not landlords; it's not. It's a fact that that's the reason that people are becoming homeless, but it doesn't mean that the the person was actually going through was a perfectly legitimate and reasonable thing for them to do is sort of morally responsible. Landlords have been trapped in the middle of a complete failure, uh, more than decades-long failure to deliver uh, the, the level of social and affordable housing that we need. And, and while the government and others are saying, oh, we're demonizing landlords, they're using that to hide behind the fact that the, the responsibility is the failure of, of of policies over so many years. If yeah. government had listened to Focus Ireland in 2016 when we started to draw attention to this problem emerging, we wouldn't be, be facing the scale of the problem that we're now facing, that, yeah. that people like Jessica are facing. Yeah, well, it's absolutely horrific. Let's let's talk to Jessica now. Um, uh, Jessica Freed, you're an actress and writer. Can you tell us about your living situation since, since September 2020, Jessica? 
Hi, Bobby. Uh, yeah, well, I was uh, uh, given notice to quit. In Well, I finally had to quit the house in 2020 after 15 years. Um, the usual usual story, landlord wanted to refurbish and uh, re-rent it to multiple people. I've been, like most people, it's not un- a unique story, unfortunately. I've been couch surfing for two and a half years. And when I say couch surfing, it doesn't mean I've spent two and a half years sleeping on a couch. I've been in sometimes in people's spare rooms, sometimes in, in empty houses that belong to family members of friends that are about to be sold, sometimes empty flats that are temporarily vacant because the the person's away. I've been on the move for two and a half years. I've sort of run out of options. I mean, I have the, I have the most supportive friends in the world, and I'm very lucky. Some people don't even have that much. Uh, but come the summer, I, it looks like I'm going to have to enter homeless accommodation. Uh, there's no... There's no family home to go back to when you're when you hit middle age. That's it. People forget that everybody isn't a a 20 year old student bopping around the place. Yeah. There's no where to go. There's no family home to go back to. There are no parents alive. I looked after my mother's my mother's carer for the last 10 years of her life in that rented house. There was no family home. You know, so we yeah. rented. Uh, she died, and a year later, I was given notice to quit. So that's that's how it happened. And I've been moving around ever since. Uh, I I think we're having the wrong conversation. I don't, this isn't really about me and my, my me and my sad story. Well, it's a horrible it's, it's a familiar story. story. It's a horrible story. But look, so it, what what is happening is, and people can't quite grasp it. The government certainly don't grasp it. It's the financialization of housing, which has been going on for decades. It is treating housing as a means of wealth creation an asset as opposed to a home. It is not, it's not even a supply and demand issue. It's the eking out of supply, the hoarding, the vacancy, the short-term lets. You could build 50,000 houses a year. You could send every refugee and immigrant home and you would not have a change because until you change those fundamentals, until you stop treating property in that way, you will not be able to house people. And as long as weak governments allow international investors and domestic investors to come in and just buy up whole apartment blocks, whole housing developments, and eke out the supply, this is what you have. And so I agree Um, with Mike. Small landlords have been caught up in this, and it's not their fault. Can I just ask, Jessica, you've been on the Dublin City Council housing list for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years and of course it once once my my mother died i went on from a two bedroom to a one bedroom the one bedroom list hardly moves and it often goes backwards because people move between lists people don't realize this and they if they enter if they've been on it longer they enter they push you down they enter your list so okay. it never actually moves and uh, it might go forward one or two places a month and then it goes back i mean you you do the sums. So you will know? you ever get to the end of that list, do you think, in terms well, of... I mean, I, well, possibly in years. I, we were talking years, more years again. And the form of housing, what, what I really feel strongly about is that this form of housing is not suitable. It was never suitable for long-term renters. Yeah. The only type of... The only person, the only group of people that, that suits sort of accidental, you know, landlord renting, one person has a house and they rent out the house, students 
and very young, you know, transient workers. It's suitable for them. It's not suitable for somebody looking to, to make a home out of it. Yeah. I was in that house for 15 years. If I'd been in it for 20, I would have been a sitting tenant. Most landlords, and I can understand why, they have one house that, my God, get rid of that person before we're stuck with them and we can't sell the house. Yeah. It's not suitable. And just before, and I, just before I go back to Mike, tell yeah. me what it feels like, you know, having to think that you're now going to end up in emergency accommodation. That's got to be a, like, it, that's got to occupy every, every minute of every it, hour. It kind of does, you know. It occupies every minute of every hour. And again, I thank God I'm I'm sitting well, and I I know how awful it is for me. I mean, it's it's just the idea, even the idea of being on the move. I mean, people don't realize this. Imagine, imagine, imagine yourself in your own home and not having that safety and being on the move, even the best of circumstances. I have to think ahead. I have to put that my stuff is in and out of storage. I have to put stuff in storage. I have to pack in such a way that I can live out of one suitcase. I have to go between homeless accommodation, if I can find it, with the eviction ban lifted, and maybe the odd night at a friend's house. I'm even thinking, I think, you know what, will I get a tent and go to the Phoenix Park? I'm not being facetious. I'm actually thinking that might be more uh, that, that that just might be easier. Okay. You can't God. land on people. You can't live with people at the at this age. You can't just turn around and say, "Right, I'm moving in with you." It doesn't. It's it's not. Your friends aren't responsible for you. I Even know. your family isn't responsible for you in that sense. That's you know? hor- that, that's it, horrific, Jessica. It is horrific, and people are suffering. That people in worse circumstances are suffering it every day. And all I can say is, thank God, my mother died when she did. I've never, I thank God every day that she's not here to be facing into this level of suffering and fear with okay. me. At least it's just me. Let and me, this has to stop. Let me bring back uh, uh, Mike Allen, Advocacy Director in Focus Ireland. Mike, you, uh, I don't even know what to say about Jessica's story there. It's absolutely horrific. It, it, is, absolutely, it is absolutely horrific. But sadly, as exactly she says, it, it's not a unique story. So some of the more, you know, um, people who like to be dramatic about things are talking about tsunamis and, and so that leaves people to expect that there's going to be a big queue outside emergency shelters uh, this week or next week. And that's not the way it's going to be. Most people do exactly what Jessica did. That they, they stay with friends, stay with family. This is true of single people. It's true of, of people with kids and do everything they can before they end up in homeless services. So it takes a lot. So this is a, like a long, slow rising of the tide is what we expect to see rather than something dramatic. And our big concern is, is that by the time we really start to see that hitting us, the public attention will go elsewhere. And so when we ask about, oh, we're, there's a debate government and non-government about whether we're going to see a tsunami of homelessness. Well, the number of children who are homeless in the last 18 months or so, went up by 60%, almost two-thirds increase in the number of children who are homeless. I don't know what people think a tsunami looks like. So, and, yeah. and you know, just, oh, that would be unacceptable if we did this. Like, we are accepting this every day. We've been accepting it for a long period of time. And the, the, the scale of the government response has always been two steps behind the situation that's, that, that, that's uh, constantly underestimated. I think there's an element of government now who are betting on the fact that Irish people in general will give up caring about homelessness. And I believe that the, if people are hoping for that, they're completely wrong, that people 
will continue caring about people like Jessica, people in much worse situations than Jessica, families who are homeless. People care about that very, very deeply in Ireland, and they'll continue to do so. But I think we need to keep the attention on this as the situation and Mike, doesn't just, happen dramatically, <clears throat> but happens slowly. I'm sorry I don't have more time to talk about this, but just, just in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, what, and it's a highly complex scenario, and again, the tragedy of Jessica's story there, what, in your view, do government need to do and do quickly? Yeah, I think the problem with this is, is like, what they need to have done is have listened to us five or six years ago. So it's really very well. Now that you've got ourselves in this absolute hellhole, what should we do now? Well, the one thing that we have been saying is that government is saying, quite rightly, we did fairly well in terms of delivering social housing last year, particularly at the end of last year. So about 6,000, maybe 7,000 social houses became available and are being allocated at this time. Now, there are people being waited long time on, on, on the housing list, but I think everybody would accept that there would be some fairness in making sure that people being long-term homeless, people who have been emergency accommodation for a number of years, would get a fair share of those and pull them out of, of, of that. One of the effects of that would be families and others who have been long-term homeless getting a home, but it would also mean that people newly becoming homeless wouldn't be feared of ending up sleeping in the park or sleeping on the side of the street and that there would be emergency accommodation for them. And we've been saying that to government you know, for the last year that they should be doing that. They haven't said anything back. The way things are going five years from now, they'll probably wake up and decide that's a good idea. Okay. Now is the time to take up the ideas and do them. Well, listen, it's, it's Jessica, thank you for your honesty and for sharing your story with us. We really, really appreciate it. Jessica Freed, actress and writer, and also Mike Allen, uh, also uh, Advocacy Director of Focus Ireland. Thanks for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.